0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village we're so excited to share ours with you. Hey, everyone. It's Haley, and I'm here with my co-host, Jess. And today we're going to talk about baby-led weaning. And we've just learned more about it with each one of our kids. And it's really transformed the way that we prep meals and just eat with the family and, and really what our kids eat. But we're in the thick of it right now with Atlas, and that's kind of why we figured it'd be a good time to talk about it. And so, yeah, we're just talking about feeding our babies solids and and anyone that's actually in this stage or have babies starting to eat solids, or if you know of anyone that interacts with babies like nannies, caregivers, grandparents, you have to take this course that we have on our website. It's the simplest approach. And you can check it out at MeaningfulLiving.com. And again, it has totally transformed the way that we feed our kids and and what they eat. So we'll talk a little bit about it today, but it will be a more in-depth class um, on our website. So go check that out. But today, Jess, I just want to pick your brain. I've loved learning about it through the years. And I still love these refreshers because I just learned something new every time, even though we're three, ki- three kids deep, three kids deep... <laughs> Um, today, we're just going to talk a little bit about our experiences, then also just do some rapid fire questions for each other, but mostly me rapid firing questions to Jess because you uh, know so much about this.
0: I'm really excited about this episode. There's so much misinformation about feeding your babies and it causes so much extra stress that I've just seen for so long. So I love that in this episode, we're gonna talk about what it's like in real life to do baby-led weaning, or as I like to refer to it as baby-led feeding, which we'll get into, but really focusing practically on how to feed your baby in a way that promotes what every parent and caregiver wants to do, which is raise a non-picky and intuitive eater and start off your baby with a positive feeding relationship that will carry with them into childhood and beyond. Haley, I'm going to start with you. you because I think that you have such a unique experience having three kids back to back to back. And the way that you fed Liv is really different than the way that you fed Luca and now Atlas. And just having them back to back, it's just you've been able to kind of see the difference in your feeding. So, what yeah. have you learned from feeding your kids? What has changed? So much.
1: <laughs> so much has changed too, because with Olivia, we had her December 2017. And I do think that baby led weaning is being more talked about now. And it was definitely around when I was feeding Olivia and introducing her to solids, but it wasn't as Popular, I guess you could say. So with Olivia, our first, we really spent so much time prepping food, and it was we were doing all the purees, and we were steaming the veggies, and putting it in the Vitamix, and it was such an ordeal. And I just thought that was normal. And then we'd put them in little cute freezer bags and little I don't know, little popsicle containers, kind of. And then we'd thaw them out when when it was time to eat, and. I just assumed like, this is what it is. And when we had one child, it was easier. We had more time on our hands. But when Luca came around after I took your class, Jess, which is now on our website, that's when it changed the game. Because at this point, we obviously had a toddler running around, which is Olivia. But we just decided to jump into baby led weaning and we fed him what we were eating. Whatever it was, like it was usually a deconstructed version of whatever we were eating. If we were having enchiladas, he'd have chicken and veggies and avocado. But it just simplified our life so much. And um now that I'm learning things, I realized it helped him long term develop these healthy eating habits. So now we're doing it with Atlas. He's eight months, and oh, has, how
0: is he already eight months? I don't
1: know. I don't know. It's like we went into a time warp and then all of a sudden he just came out. I know. It's He's crazy. Huge now. He loves to eat. Our boys really love to eat. And it's been so much easier. We spend so much less time prepping food. And it's just like we prep one thing for everyone and it's so much simpler. Yeah. That was a long answer for your question. Sorry. <laughs> No, I think it was a great I think it was a great answer. I think we're going to
0: talk about what baby led weaning is for because I think it's really important to clarify it because I think there's a lot of different definitions floating around, but your experience which is that you did it one way. And ultimately, you went into feeding your kids in a way where you wanted to do what was best for them. And then right. switching it and seeing the difference from puring everything to just puring a couple things and giving him table food early on, it's just amazing how much less stress it brings to the kids and to the parents. Totally. And caregivers, I should say, and really anyone involved in the feeding process.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I, we were spending much less time in the kitchen prepping and much, le- much more time engaged with the kids.
0: Yeah, totally. Did you always
1: start with baby-led weaning?
0: Actually, I'll start by answering. I've been a dietitian for over a decade now, which is shocking still when I say it. Wow. And I was always drawn to infant, child, and maternal nutrition because I think more than anything, they come out with a blank slate. So I really want to help people raise intuitive, non-picky eaters. And I think it's just a f- such a phenomenal place to intervene where you can start the feeding relationship off from the start. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in school, I was learning all of these things. And then I hit the real world. And I'm so excited to teach everyone how to raise intuitive non-picky eaters. And the two main things that I always noticed is just there was so much evidence out there or just so much information that was opposite of what was being taught. So people wanted to raise intuitive eaters and non pick eaters, but they were getting the wrong or incomplete information. Yeah, And then the other thing is, is that parents and caregivers were really getting so stressed out when they started spoon feeding their kids. It's so anxiety provoking. You want to do it right. You have this blank slate and just, it was so much more stressful than it needed to be. So I give that backstory to say, I did do baby-led feeding with Bryce, which is what we talk about in the course and what I've been teaching forever, which is a form of baby-led weaning. Meaning Meaning it's not that you only give table foods from the start, it's that you let your baby guide the feeding process. And so that's what I did with Bryce. And it was the coolest moment because teaching it for so long, I always knew like, okay, this works. I've seen it work. I have people messaging me all the time, like this changed Mm -hmm. our life. But then doing it with Bryce, I was—I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow, this is this is magical. This is the secret sauce to feeding." And it really starts from that early time. Mm-hmm. So to answer, yes, I did do it with Bryce, and it was fantastic, and it still is. I think it carries on so much into toddlerhood and childhood and adolescence, laying that foundation. Now that yeah. was a long-winded response to your question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good, we're on the same page. No, that was a great answer. Well, I guess on that note, what is baby-led weaning? Baby-led weaning is really just an alternative
0: to the traditional spoon feeding that we're used to seeing. So it's where you give babies age-appropriate, wholesome foods from the beginning. So instead of doing all purees and actually spoon feeding them the food, What you're doing is you're giving them foods right from the start. So, regular table foods in an age appropriate form that you give your baby at six months, when traditionally speaking, you would have only been giving them purees. So, you cook everything. Mm -hmm. It's in a safe way, you know, so that they can eat it. But the whole idea behind it is that our kids are actually, babies actually learn to eat better when you can give them foods. It's a learned skill. And so, by giving them those foods, you can foster all these different benefits. Mm -hmm. After the year we've all had, we should want to make the dads in our lives feel extra loved and appreciated. I know for me, I've really leaned on my dad this year in a new way. He's been such an integral support system for me through the hardest year of my life and has been so instrumental in helping me personally and professionally. He's been a mentor to Haley and I as we've started this new brand and podcast, and he's been my shoulder to cry on no matter what time of day it is. From the little silly decisions to the monumental ones, I really take his input to heart and value the life experiences he's had from running his own business. That's why I'm honoring my dad with the most heartfelt, thoughtful gift that the whole family can keep and cherish forever, StoryWorth. I'm so excited I found StoryWorth because it's truly my dream gift. Storyworth is an online service that helps your dad, uncle, grandfather, any father figure in your life to share the stories of their life through thought provoking questions about their past and personal thoughts. So every week, Storyworth emails your dad different story prompts that you may have never thought to ask, something like, What's your favorite story about your father? You can personalize the prompt or choose from pre made ones. And then after a year of prompts, Storyworth compiles all your dad's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I love that StoryWorth prompts us to have those conversations that truly mean the most to us, but often get overlooked in the hustle of everyday life. Taking the time to hear about these memories not only allows me to learn about aspects of my family I never knew, but takes away that immense pressure I feel to document my family's life and past. Life is short and I want to learn all that I can from my family around me. For me, my family, Bryce, and future generations. I've already gifted my dad StoryWorth for this Father's Day because it's truly the gift that keeps on giving and I'm selfishly so excited to gain so many meaningful moments from it. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash full F-U-L-L. Get $10 off your first purchase at storyworth.com
1: slash full for $10 off. What questions do you get most from parents like their fears around it? Is it more the gagging or is it, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of fear around it because it's so contrary to I think how we think of baby food. What I always say is is for anyone listening, what I want you to think about baby food is instead of it being bland and pureed and single ingredient, You want it to be rich of flavor, lots of different flavors and textures, and just mimic more of the food that you eat. So the whole idea of feeding in that first year is to really get your kid to learn how to eat on their own. It's not our job to get them to eat. It's our giving our kids the opportunity to learn. So I would say people are the most hesitant because everywhere for the last 100 years since commercial baby food came out we're used to seeing babies eat pureed food and so that's just what you have imprinted in your mind so i think moving away from that is scary i think the fear of gagging is the biggest one is not gagging but seeing gagging as choking and so gagging and choking are very different and gagging is actually a normal response so babies gag reflexes in the middle of their tongue which means if they put anything, a toy or a food, a little back there, they're going to gag. And gagging is a way for them to protect their airway. And so parents see that as thinking that it's the same thing as choking. And so I think that's what scares them the most.
1: Totally. Understandable. Yeah. The first times it was a little nerve wracking, but then having known what you've told me, it's like, okay, I know this is a good thing obviously i'm i'm being very cautious and watching every single little thing but i think having that knowledge helps go into it confidently knowing okay this is supposed to happen this is very normal
0: yeah and that choking and gagging are different. They're very different. And giving your kids the opportunity, you know, gagging is normal. They're gonna gag on a toy, whether you do baby-led weeding or not, they're, they're gonna be gagging on something. So just as a parent knowing that gagging and choking are different, and gagging is actually building those muscles in their mouth to help prevent choking. So that's what some of the research is looking at now with baby-led weaning, which is really interesting, is actually giving them the opportunity to build those muscles in
1: the long run, actually decreases the risk of choking. Wow, totally. And you might as well be there supervising the choke, the not (laughs) choking. Yeah. The the, uh, gagging rather than having them randomly gag on a toy.
0: Yeah. And we always recommend you take an infant CPR class before starting to feed your baby solids because you need to know what to do if your baby chokes and talk to your pediatrician always if you have any concerns relating to your child's or baby's specific needs But I mean, what parent or caregiver isn't scared about choking? So really being knowledgeable about it and knowing that gagging and choking are different and being told ahead of time to expect gagging and that it's normal is really empowering for parents and caregivers because it sets expectations and decreases that initial fear.
1: Okay. So real quick, can you just tell me what the research says about baby led weaning? Because I really am a nerd and love to know all this stuff.
0: Yeah, I think knowing the benefits really can help inspire people to try baby lead feeding. So it's really fascinating. It's been shown to improve oral motor development. So all oral motor development is is it's the muscles in your mouth. We've got a lot of muscles that are needed for eating, chewing, swallowing, speaking. So it improves those. It improves speech development, decreases picky eating, and promotes just this independence and intuitive eating which we'll get into. And what I find so fascinating is that it may actually play a role in decreasing the risk of obesity down the line. And so it's allowing when we just step back and allow our kids to learn how to eat, that they, they learn how to be an intuitive eater from the start. And the other part that I think every parent wants to know, because I think it's our biggest fear when starting solids, is that there's research to show that it actually decreases the risk of choking. Wow.
1: Wow. That's something so good to keep in mind, especially when they are gagging and going through that phase that is... It's difficult to watch, but knowing that helps. Yeah. And why do you teach baby guided or baby led feeding?
0: Yeah. So this language is... You know that I'm such a person about language and language is important. So baby led weaning, the whole concept, it was first talked about. I mean, it's been around if you think about it. Commercial baby food didn't come out until about 100 years ago. So prior to that, this is how people were feeding their babies. But Jill Rapley first talked about the concept in her book. And really, what baby lead feeding says is about giving those table foods right off the bat. I love that concept. But what I like even more is baby lead feeding because I think it helps us understand what really the concept is. Babies need purees and babies need regular table foods. They need to learn how to eat both of them. And so, I don't want anyone to ever leave after a conversation like this or hearing about baby lead weaning where they feel like, oh my gosh, if I give my baby purees, I'm not helping develop that oral motor development. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And they are important. So what I've always been teaching is baby lead feeding. So if you give table food, you're giving them strips of food in the beginning that they can pick up and eat until they develop that pincer grasp later on and you can give them smaller foods. But more than anything, if you're giving them purees, you're actually allowing them to spoon feed themselves as opposed to you spoon feeding them. So you can take the same concepts that baby led weaning talks about, and you can apply it to pureed foods or regular foods. We really just want it to be baby guided. So we're listening to them. Something that I just think is the most interesting is that when we give milk, when we give formula or breast milk, we're all about listening to baby's cues, right? Like, right. you know, when your kid, you can't force feed your kid to drink that bottle. And when you try to, you are there is so much frustration that comes through with your baby. Right. So we're really good at listening that to them until we start feeding them food. And something happens just with society and the way we think about it, that all of a sudden when we start feeding them food, we think it's our job to like force feed them and spoon feed them really all the benefits come from when they learn to do it themselves. And that's really what baby led or baby guided feeding does is just letting your kid be in charge of how much or how little they want. Mm, Yeah. And it helps them figure out when they're full, right? Yeah, totally. It's the way to raise an intuitive non-picky eater is really letting them learn it themselves and being able to discover and figuring out how to feed themselves. Because if you think about it practically, right, we're feeding them at six, around six months. And then all of a sudden, 12 months comes. If we're spoon feeding them the whole, you know, for a really long time, and then we just give them finger foods, all of a sudden, when they turn a year old, they have to be eating three meals and two snacks a day. And you want them to be able to do it themselves. So allowing them that independence early on, allows them to figure it out so that when they hit a year, it's just natural for them.
1: They know how to use utensils yeah. and their hands and they know how to do it. Yeah. Well, now after doing it three times, I've realized how fully capable they are of doing it. And Atlas is just about to turn eight months and he's such a pro now. I'm like, you I mean,
0: what's he doing? Yeah. I mean, this is what always
1: smarter. blows my mind. Yeah. They're capable. They're so much smarter than I give them credit every time. I'm like, oh you can do that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So you started around six months with Atlas, well, at five and a half, close to six months. He's eight months right. now. You've been giving him mostly table food. If you give him purees, you let him spoon feed himself. What is he
1: able to do on his own now? Um, He takes the little spoon and kind of grabs it. Most of the time he plays with it, but sometimes he'll, he'll get it up to his mouth and get something in there. It's
0: Most amazing. of the time it
1: falls off. The spoon thing, which we'll have to link, they're also on our website. And Jess, you recommended them, but feel like they fit really well in his hands. Mm-hmm. Are you talking yeah. about the Num Num utensils? Yeah. I yes. love them. I I love, love that them. product. And let's see, what is he doing? You know, all of our kids started at six months, whether it was even though we were feeding Liv purees. I think it felt really good to wait till six months because I just felt like they were really ready then and really giving us all the cues that they were ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, I feel like Atlas is eating everything now. He's eating fish, chicken. I don't know if we've given him beef yet, but fish and chicken and really every vegetable under the sun, we've obviously steered cleared steered clear of uh honey and all of those things, but and salt, but he just he loves it, and if he sees Olivia and Luca eating something like say we have an enchilada, but he's gotten the broken down version of the enchilada, he is. Livid, livid. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. I'm like, wait, is he really aware? Like, what is going on in Katie Art and he's like, no, he's like so aware. This is insane. He's so aware.
0: Yeah. But and they know and he wants it. I it's know. like, I know. I always say it's unfair to eat something in front of your kid that you're not going to give them as well. Obviously, besides yeah. like alcohol or the things that are off limits. Right. But you know, even as early as eight months, they know what's going on.
1: Oh, totally. Luca was like that with pizza whenever we'd have pizza. And then we're like, well, he he doesn't really need pizza yet. And he would freak out. Yeah. like I have to have that pizza. Something I've been so open with is the benefit of counseling and the importance it has in all aspects of our life, whether it's our relationships, our relationship with ourselves, or the way we show up as a parent. I was so excited when BetterHelp reached out to sponsor the podcast because I know the tremendous value counseling has on our everyday life. Whether you're struggling with stress from day-to-day life, anxiety, especially after this last year, difficult relationships, or just wanting to focus on being the best version of yourself, BetterHelp is there to help. BetterHelp is a professional counseling service that's done all online. They help assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. No longer the days where you have to leave work early, sit in traffic, just to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room waiting for your turn. With BetterHelp, it's so much more convenient. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, all while being in the comfort of your own home. You can send messages to your counselor at any time, and you'll get timely responses, as well as the ability to schedule your weekly video on phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need it. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, and so much more. With BetterHelp, you can get all the expertise you need online. You're not just limited to the counselors in your area. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com MFL. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot slash M-F-L for 10% off your first month. Part about
0: baby led feeding that is so fantastic and actually blows my mind. I've been doing this for a decade and I'm still every time someone sends me a video of their baby after you know I've taught a class and they send me how their baby's eating, they are so capable. They, you know, an eight month old can pick up food and self feed themselves. You know, we're not doing airplane or spoon feeding them. If you give them that independence, they actually have
1: the room to learn and grow, and it's amazing. Yeah, and it takes the work out of it. I can sit and enjoy my meal while our all three of our kids are eating, and it is so nice. Yeah, I, think- I mean it's loud. They they are loud, and it does get messy, but it's worth it because now Olivia is such a great eater. She's actually super clean. She takes her plate to the sink. Luca has transitioned into actually being a pretty clean eater, which he used to be so messy. And you know, learning to use their utensils, but I felt like that really helped them get there. Oh my gosh, Haley, I'm so glad you said that because that's actually a point that
0: I talk about all the time, that if you embrace the mess early on, so when they are six months to 12 months in that first year, you really lean in, let them be messy, let them learn. Then they learn how to feed themselves. So then they become cleaner eaters when they're older. And let me tell you, if you had to have a choice between having a kid who is, messy at six months versus messy at 14 months. 14 months, they can chuck food across the room. I mean, it's a whole different thing. So embracing that mess early on actually leads to a cleaner eater virtually where they know actually know how to use their
1: utensils in toddlerhood. Yeah. That's so true. We ha- I did a post, you probably saw this on messy eating and talked about embracing the mess, as you always say. And this. Everyone was like, this is awesome. And it was such great feedback from everyone. This one person commented and they were like, that is teaching them the worst manners ever. And I cannot believe that you would do that. I was like, oh my gosh. If I got a dollar for every time I told a caregiver
0: or parent or grandparent about that. I, I think like grandparents, it's such a flip in the way that, they fed, that our ge- parents' generation fed us versus how we're feeding our kids. And so I think it's a natural thing to be like, oh my gosh, you're just going to let them be messy. Are you not teaching them manners? Are you not teaching them boundaries? And I swear I'd be rich if I got a dollar for every time <laughs> I had to talk to a grandparent to tell them, actually, it's the opposite. Yeah. And then once they see it, they are shocked. Absolutely shocked. Well,
1: yeah. I also love how you tell us to not clean up their mouth every time they have a little dribble or anything around their mouth because it would be just so annoying if someone, every time you took a bite of something, came and wiped your mouth off with something. Like, yeah, that would be annoying. Looking through it in that lens
0: for really anything. We want it to be baby guided because how annoying would it be if someone was preloading a spoon and like trying to find your mouth and like trying to get it in and then missing each time. And then each time in between each bite, they wiped your mouth down. It's just uncomfortable. And, and we see sometimes kids just, some kids are more sensitive to sensory stimulation than others. So some kids just aren't successful because their base is just being scraped down with food. And if you just wait to clean them up in the end, it helps them build that ability to tolerate that mess, which is important, right? We want our yeah. kids to be able yeah. to like, get messy in the sandbox and do all
1: those things. And so feeding is a way that they're learning that three times a day, every day. Yeah. It's taken practice for both Tyler and I, because Tyler especially is such a clean and neat person, more so than I am, which is wild. And I think our natural instinct is to want to wipe that face off and keep them clean while they eat. But now it's it's been good for us
0: your experiences is, is many, I would say majority of parents' experiences. And I. it's really hard to let our kids be messy. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a lot of tips to contain the mess. I'm not saying that you just let your kid just like have the mess all over. You keep it very contained at that high chair, but knowing that you're giving them a benefit and that they're learning from that mess is so crucial. Yeah. Um, it's harder for us as parents as it is for the kid. The kid is just thriving and the parent is the one saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to just basically put them in the sink when they're done. And because there's no way I can even wipe them
1: down with a cloth. Right, which is a great thing to do. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Well, with all of this, all of this is so great and so good to know. Why is this concept not more widely talked about?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a multifaceted response. Number one is that with the start of commercial baby food, we kind of switched the pendulum so far that everything was purees and everything was starting with baby cereals and purees. And really that was what was taught to a lot of physicians and specialists in this area for so many decades. And so part of this is just, it's the pattern, you know, pediatricians have been around for a really long time and they've been teaching this and they see kids do just fine with purees. But with this new emerging research, what is really exciting is you're starting to see it trickle down to really all faceteds. So you're starting to see pediatricians recommending this, feeding experts recommending this, and just people talking about it. The fact mm-hmm. that we're even talking about baby-led weaning and that Pete, some some of our listeners, even from the start of this, may know what that means, is is amazing because I think it's starting to trickle down. But I think it's just like with anything, change is hard. And when we're changing and to change curriculum and change the whole way that we teach things, it's kind of a brand new mindset um, of how to teach babies. And so it's my passion in life. I want everyone to get this knowledge. And so that you can feel so confident when you do it and know you have that blank slate. We all want our kids to be non-picky and intuitive. That's We we get that chance to do it again with our kids differently than we did. And so I think it's exciting. I think it's getting more attention than it ever has. And I think it's becoming more mainstream. So I really think over the next decade, we're going to see a shift where many, many more babies are fed in
1: this way. It is awesome. And I like too that, like you said, it helps them learn to feel when they're full and it helps them not overeat. Because I I think sometimes we ourselves as adults don't even know, okay, oh, am I full or do I just really want this right now? And I think to teach someone that at such a young age is really important. I do wish they would change the name weaning. I think it's such a funny
0: name, baby led weaning. I know. And and so where weaning came from was the idea that you're like weaning off of milk onto food. Mm, makes but sense. that's why, honestly, I am all about the baby led feeding because it just yeah. explains exactly what you're doing. And so when you're doing purees, I mean, baby led feeding includes purees. And so when you're doing purees, as opposed to spoon feeding it into your kid's mouth, you can preload the spoon and hand it to them. And I promise you, the first, it might end up in their hair. It's going to end up all over anywhere but their mouth. But with practice, and when you give your kid that space to practice, they learn how to do it. So awesome. It is a concept. It's something that just never gets old. You know, you could watch a kid, they're so instinctual and so intuitive. And when you give them that space to learn, it's
1: magical. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one more question. What's the biggest mistake you see when parents are feeding their babies?
0: Pressuring babies to eat a certain volume of food. Look, I totally know it's natural. You fill up a certain amount of food. You have it in front of you. You want your baby, you know, you've made X amount and you just want them to finish that. That's just what you want. But so our intent with what that is, is right on. But the problem is pressuring them to finish a certain amount, backfires. And so instead of focusing on a volume consumed, focus, what I always say to parents, focus on how they're eating. So like, let them just learn it. Pull out the the amount, whether they eat 0% or 100%, it doesn't matter. Give them that space, but don't pressure them to eat the arbitrary amount that we put in a bowl
1: where we think that that's a serving size. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. And such a good point because even Knowing what I know and having taken your class multiple times, I think it's still so in human nature to be like, finish your dinner, <laughs> or, finish your plate. <laughs> or sometimes Liv will literally just eat two bites and say, I'm finished. Like I've had to really have self control and be like, okay, do what Jess tells me to do and be like, all right. But I do tell her to check in with her belly, check in with your belly. And you know, we're not going to eat until lunch, or we're not going to eat until dinner, whatever it is, so that she's aware of how much she ha- how long she has, and say and really stick to that. Like, don't just feed them snacks all afternoon because then they know, well, I don't have to eat my lunch if I'm going to get a snack whenever I ask for it. Yeah, but if they know their meal times and that you're really not going to give in with those snack times, I think that that's been really helpful for us. Consistency
0: is key, and it just this is a true story. This morning, I mean. Josh knows the ways, Uh, you know, this is our feeding philosophy in our house. And I get a text message. He was handling breakfast this morning. And I got a text message being like, you have to come downstairs. Something's wrong with Bryce. I was like, what's going on? It's like, he only ate a quarter of his breakfast. Like, you know, do you think he's sick? Is something wrong? (laughs) I came down he's totally fine. He just wasn't as hungry in the morning. But I think we just need those reminders. I mean, that's Josh that lives with me. And this is what we've been doing since he's been born. And so there is just that natural thing where we look at the amount served and we want them to eat that amount. And so I would say, take that good intention. The good intention is you want to raise an intuitive, healthy eater and just say, okay, I'm going to actually trust my kid to eat as much or as little as they want.
1: Yeah. What if we did that to people at a dinner party? If we had people over for dinner and we're like, hey, you didn't finish your mashed potatoes. (laughs) You better finish those. I mean, (laughs) imagine the pressure such pressure.
0: It's not just pressure for the kids, but it's stress on us, right? Like, And the feeding, what I always say with feeding is we're doing it so many times a day. So if feeding is stressful, that just bleeds into the other parts of your day. It just leaks out. And so if you can start off that feeding relationship when they're a baby, where you're starting it off, where it's pleasurable, non-stressful, that carries into toddlerhood. It carries into adulthood, really. And so we're really laying that foundation for our kids to know how to eat and, mm-hmm. and be intuitive eaters, be able to listen to their own hunger and fullness
1: cues. Absolutely. And I will say something that we've had to also remember to do is to kind of eliminate the distractions during any mealtime. So if the TV's on, we keep the TV on if it's the Today Show or whatever. But if it's a kid's show, I turn it off because if they get so distracted by the TV, then they're definitely not going to want to finish their meal. But if the distractions, major distractions, like a TV show mm-hmm. are out of the way, then I feel I like you better. then I can really count on my kids to be intuitive. Yeah. And when they have those distractions,
0: they may be eating and they may eat more when they have those distractions, but it's for the exact same reason that when we go to a movie theater and we have popcorn, we'll go through the bottom of that popcorn without even knowing it because we're so distracted during it. So removing the distractions at mealtimes is actually such an important step for your kid to actually be able to check in with themselves.
1: Yeah. It's actually been so sweet now. So Olivia's three and at mealtimes now, she's so in the habit of our dinner conversations because Tyler and I are trying to make sure our phones are put away. It doesn't always happen, but we we try. <laughs> and But our dinner conversation goes, what was the highlight of your day? And Olivia is now taking the lead on that. We didn't say to ask us, but now we sit down and my parents were in town a couple of weeks ago. And she said, Mimi, what was the highlight of your day? And Tyler and I looked at each other like, oh my gosh, it's the sweetest. <laughs> so sweetest. And so just eliminating those distractions like my cell phone or like the TV has really made some really sweet conversations and, and really getting to know our kids even better. It is such an important thing to remember, which is feeding times
0: because they happen so frequently are such a natural opportunity for us to connect with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so when you move that distraction away, you can connect with them better. And trust me, it's a bumpy road. If your kid is like one that's been in front of an iPad every meal for a while, it's hard to move away from from removing that distraction. But I can promise you once you do, you'll start to have those moments with them that is kind of uninterrupted time. And as they get older, that's just so much more important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm definitely not opposed to any screen time. Believe me, we love some screen time and we love <laughs> some iPads, <laughs> especially on airplanes. But I think having those boundaries around those helps. And when there's a special occasion, there's just a special occasion or time when you're like, I am going out to dinner and you know what? Tonight's a night where I really need the iPad.
0: Totally. But it's also more... No judgment. And it's also (laughs) more successful in those moments. If you're using it every meal, it's not as successful in those times that you really need it. So hold it out for those moments for sure.
1: So true.
0: Something else I wanted
1: to touch on was I think something that I love so much about baby-led feeding is that it gives me and Tyler a really good set of guidelines to stick to. It's not this, we're shooting in the dark. What do we do? What do we say when our kids want this? It's like we have our set of boundaries that we get to stick to. And if a caregiver comes in or if a grandparent comes in, I know grandparents love to spoil their grandkids, but it kind of helps give everyone else boundaries to stick within because... We can say, this is the language that we use at dinner and we don't say this, we say this. And obviously it doesn't have to be perfect, but I think it really helps other people that come into the home have have a set of boundaries around eating.
0: Totally. It gives the Cliff Notes guide of like how you do it. It actually gives you guys a rubric. Mm-hmm. Um When we were designing our class, that was one of the main things that we said, which is we want things that are feeding rules. And they're not rules, but they're just a framework. So you can put it up on your refrigerator. And so anyone that comes into your house knows exactly what the few, it's only a few things that you abide by. Like honestly, doing baby led feeding takes away so much of the pressure. It's not your job to get your kid to eat. And so communicating that to anyone that comes in is great. And especially you and your partner. It it just brings all the stress out. Yeah.
1: And when, if Mimi and Papa come into town, I'm like, believe me, you're going to love this because it's going to make your life easier. I'm not giving it to you to stress you out or make it more difficult. Just here's these quick little guidelines that will make it easier.
0: Yeah. I think watching it through our parents' eyes is so interesting because they did it so differently. And honestly, almost every day when Bryce is at my parents' house, they are just shocked. They're, they just were, how did we not know this when you were little? And this is the best, you know, like there's just no stress at meals now, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Right. So I want to ask you some questions because the question that I always get from parents is all of this stuff is great, but what foods do you start with? Like it's very daunting, what foods work? So you've done it now twice, you know, in such a short period of time. So what foods is Atlas or did work really well for Luca when you did baby led feeding?
1: Well, we started with avocado for both of them. That's just like such an easy first food. And sweet potatoes were another good one. Um, And you've obviously guided us on a lot of this, but cucumber, I know it kind of seems like a hard thing for them to eat, but I feel like they've all loved just gnawing on a cucumber stick. Cucumber, zucchini, steamed carrots, and banana. In the mornings, I would, if I'm really on the go, I just, give them a little chunk of banana. That's easy.
0: I would say the most popular one to start with is avocado for sure. And sometimes it's hard for them to grasp it. So roll it in like ground flax seeds or something like um, nutritional yeast, which I'm such a fan of nutritional yeast because it allows them to get a grip.
1: And So can you do that from the start from six months? Yeah, you
0: can. And so sometimes, so you're going to learn when you give your babies food, everything needs to be cooked. So it's age appropriate. So anything that's super ripe, like banana doesn't need to be cooked, but apples or pears, anything else that is not very mushy naturally has to be cooked. And you're going to, in the beginning, you're going to make everything like the size of your finger or stick-like. So it's basically like a stick of food that you give them. And so you cook all of that.
1: Mm -hmm. And-
0: And if it's too mushy, it's hard for them to pick up and it's too hard, it's hard for them to chew. So you'll find like the sweet spot.
1: Yes. So do you want to know something funny? Because this is just such an example of how I forget things, even though I've had kids back to back. So we were starting Atlas on solids. We're like making a big deal about it. Oh, today he's going to have avocado. And I was like, I want to take pictures of this. So we have it. And I literally cut them into cubes. I'm like, I know better. (laughs) I know that they need to be in sticks so he can grab them, but I still cut them into cubes. I'm like, I don't know if Luca was just so recent that I thought it was for Luca. Like, I don't know. So I have pictures. I'll show (laughs) you pictures. It's like me serving cubes to him. And I had finger size, but I'm like, I can't believe I did that. That's really,
0: that's really funny. And I think we forget that it's like finger shape in the beginning because once they develop that pincer grasp, that's what they have throughout life. And so, you know, having Luca and Liv being at that age where they're having it, it's so natural because the stick form only lasts till about like nine or 10 months when they develop that pincer grasp. Yeah.
1: We also will pretty much do deconstructed, like we talked about earlier, version of whatever we're eating. So if it's enchiladas or sweet potato breakfast bowls, we do that a lot. Which is like cubed sweet potatoes with a little steamed spinach and onions and tomatoes. And then we do scrambled eggs on top. We just give him all the the pieces without kind of all the the sauce and fun things that we put on ours. The take-home message, everyone listening, if you
0: are in this stage, is instead of bland like non-seasoned baby food, you want to start giving your baby flavors. So seasonings are fantastic. And just the deconstructed version, have the same thing that you're eating, you want them to be eating. So not having it be a completely separate meal. Okay. I have one last question for you, Haley. What would you say is the best part about baby led feeding for you? Like if you could zoom out and tell parents that are in the thick of it, what would you say the best benefit has
1: been? I think there's two. Two that have been really obvious in our household. I think it's just simplifying things and bringing our family together at mealtime instead of one of us in the kitchen kind of trying to, to cook three different meals. We all are sitting down to one meal together and enjoying it together. Again, it's loud and they're crazy, but I love that we're all just eating one thing. The other thing I would say is I think the variety of foods that they eat and just how capable I've realized that they are with what they can eat and how they can really be in tune with their bodies and when they're hungry and when they're not. Completely. What about you Um, and Bryce?
0: Yeah, I'd say the biggest things is that how it just creates a neutral environment for feeding right from the start. So I really think it creates that feeding relationship with your kids that lasts for a really long time and just how capable they are. You know, watching, having a... 14-month-old that can use like a fork and a butter knife is just, it it blows my mind each time it happens. And so just knowing that you're setting up this foundation for them just to excel and that they're so much more capable than we typically think in the traditional model.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, thanks for doing this. I always love our chats.
0: I always love it. And anyone, if you guys are struggling through this or need anything, we are always here. Send us questions. Let us know what you want to know.
1: Yes. And we will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this
0: episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box. You can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you.
1: And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.